start out by thanking this church uh, for taking the, the uh, challenge of taking us on for support. Uh, and I thank the pastor. Of course, we were here four years ago and uh, visiting, and it's good to see some faces still here faithfully serving the Lord. Amen. Just keep on keeping on. That's a, a good way to go. Just keep on keeping on till the Lord comes back. Um, I mentioned this morning that I'd share just a little bit more this evening. Um, some people have asked about the situation in Brazil as far as for the ministry there right now. And uh, the ministry uh, there in Brazil right now is kind of at a lull, so God worked it out for us to be here during this time of COVID when we can't have camps, we can't run the, the boys' club right now. But we're, as things are looking up, I ask you to be praying because as we go back to Brazil nearing the end of the year, November, um, things are looking up that we will be able to restart things in uh, 2022 and get everything back on track so that God may give us wisdom to get all that done and get things back on track, get these boys back into participating in the boys club and training them to become young men for the honor and glory of God. Now I know we have Lord's Supper tonight, so I don't want to take up a lot of time, uh, but I do want to share something from the Word of God and uh, I think that's a good place to start. Amen. Okay. So let's go to the Word of God, Psalm chapter 78, Psalm chapter 78, and we're going to look at a few verses here. I'd like to start out by reading the first three verses, Psalm chapter 78, the first three verses, uh, we'll read it. If, I, if you may, if I may ask you to stand, uh, just as we read these verses, I'd appreciate that, if you, if you can. Psalm chapter 78, verses 1 through 3, the Word of God says, Give ear, O my people, to my law. Incline your ears to the words of my mouth. I will open my mouth in a parable. I will utter dark sayings of old, which we have heard and known, and our fathers have told us. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, I thank you, Lord, so much for this evening. I thank you for this church, for the blessing that this church has been around so many years and still continues uh, spreading your light throughout the, this area of Illinois. I pray that you may continue, not just this area of Illinois, but through missions around the world. You may continue to bless the church and bless each one here. I pray for your uh, guidance tonight, Lord, as I preach your word. They may touch our hearts and burden us for what you have us to do in Christ's precious name. Amen. You may be seated. Just as we get into this text, I'd just like to point out... Uh, a few things that was kind of interesting this morning, Sunday school class, started talking about Psalms and the division of, of Psalms and whatnot. But here in Psalm chapter 78, this is one of those Psalms that was not written by David or Solomon. It was written by a man by the name of Asaph. How many of you have heard, heard of Asaph before? Okay, majority, that's good. <laughs> Asaph was basically, in the time of David, he was installed as the chief musician song director, you know, I mean, he was like in the head of all that uh, during the time of David for all the spiritual things. He was a Levite, and he also wrote uh, some psalms. And as we look through this, he starts out by saying these first three verses, and I'm just going to kind of go through them real quickly because I want to get into the text a little farther down. But as he says in verse 1, give ear, O my people, to my law, incline your ears to the words of my mouth. He's basically just saying, pay attention I've got something to say. And sometimes we just need that little call to attention. That's kind of what he's doing in the first verse. In the second verse, he goes on to say, 
I will open my mouth in a parable, in reference, a teaching, a way of presenting something. He says, I will utter dark sayings of old. And I'll be real honest, this word when you get like, he's going to utter dark sayings of old. What in the world is he talking about? Yeah. Well, if you look into the meaning of the word dark here, it means something that's deep, that's profound, and therefore needs light shed on it. So in other words, he's going to say something, I'm going to say something that you need to pay attention to. It's not something you just like skip over. It's something you need to shine some light on, you need to look into, you need to see this. Because so many times there's things in the Word of God that we just kind of skip over. Well, I didn't really understand it, let me just go on. But sometimes we need to get back to seeing what that is. And it's interesting, he says it's a dark saying of old. Too many Christians nowadays are looking for some sort of a new gospel rather than just trusting the good old gospel of the salvation of the Lord Jesus Christ, something that renews itself day by day, but it is old. Before the foundation of the earth, God had already purposed how he was going to go about saving those who uh, come to him. As, as, as uh, we look throughout in the text, and he goes on to say, I will open my mouth in a parable, I will utter dark sayings of old, which we have heard and known, and our fathers have told us. Now I know here that this is Asaph during the time of Israel, you know, so he's talking to the Israelites, he is talking to them uh, with respect to things that were taught to them. I think it has a lot to do with the Ten Commandments and all the rest of that. But there's an application also for us in our days. Let me ask you, have you heard about the salvation of the Lord Jesus Christ? If you're saved, you've not only heard it, but you have known it. And it goes on to say here, and our fathers have told us it. In other words, if you've heard it and you've known it, it's because either your fathers or fathers in the faith, so to say, someone before you that had heard it and received the salvation of the Lord Jesus Christ has passed that on to you. You didn't just all of a sudden out of the blue just go like, boom, oh yeah, someone told you. Because faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So, so someone told you. So it's interesting that there's this real clear parallel, what he's talking to them and what we can say today. Hey, this is nothing new. This is something you've heard. This is something you already know. You may want to say, well then, Brother Duell, just if we already know it, then why keep repeating it? That's just it. We need to be reminded of it. And so he says, we know these things. And, and you know, I'd like to look at us as Christians, and I hope you are saved tonight. If you're not, you need to get saved. But as we look at these things, it's like salvation. Is salvation something you have heard and known? And someone told it to you. What do you do about it? And that's where he goes on in the following verse. In verse 4 he says, we will not hide them from their children. Now this is interesting the way the wording goes. We will not hide them. Hide them what? Who? The teaching. From their children. Whose children? Our father's children. In other words, we're not going to hide these things from our father's children. Let me ask you, who are our father's children? We are. Very good. So basically he's saying, we're not going to hide these things from our generation. This generation that is the, the children of our fathers, 
we will not hide these things from our generation. And it's interesting that we also should not hide the things of the salvation of our Lord from our generation. We need to share it. Now, I know that sometimes you go like, well, you know, what do we share? You know, what, what do we say? Well, say what happened to you. It's not that complicated. Well, you know, I should say some Bible verses. I'll tell you what. I thought this was one of the neatest ideas I've seen in a long time. It's right there. They're sitting right out there. If you don't have one, take one home. Put it on your refrigerator or, or wherever, somewhere you look at it. It's magnetic from the looks of it. Uh, and it's the Romans Road. Just five basic Bible texts here that give you a good understanding of that men, that man is a sinner, that man is condemned because of his sin, that Jesus Christ is the Savior, and it's only by faith in Jesus Christ and what he did that you get saved. That's it. It's that simple. We can all do that. If you've experienced it, you just share your testimony, basically. And there's some verses there that will really help you out with that. But we need to share to our generation, our colleagues from work, from school, from whatever, you know, our, our hunting buddies or whatever. We need to share these things about the salvation of the Lord. He says we need to share to uh, our generation. But he goes on to say, showing to the generation to come. That means that not only we should worry about this generation, but the following generation. And he talks about three different things that we should be showing the generation to come. The first of them, he says here, is the praises of the Lord. Do we know what it means to praise the Lord? Today there's so much confusion going on about praise and worship. You see it going on in so many churches and on television, and a lot of it is neither praise nor worship. Just a quick remembrance. What does the word worship really mean? First time it shows up in the Bible, you remember when it shows up? I think the, the, the law first mentioned in hermeneutics is really neat because it kind of gives you an idea of what, what the word means. First time the word worship shows up in the Bible, this man called Abraham, he's got his son and his servants with him. He gets to the foot of a mountain, he tells his servants, you guys stay here, my son and I are going up to worship, and then we'll come back. What was he going up to do? He was going to go up there and go like, oh, oh yeah. He was going up there to sacrifice his son. Think of this. He was dying to self into his own will, into his own love and his own thoughts because of his love to God. That he was willing to die himself, kill his son, to be able to present himself to God. That's worship. Some may say, well, that's Old Testament. What about New Testament? Well, I'm glad you asked. First time worship shows up in the New Testament, there's these wise men that come from the east, and they come and say, where is he that is born the king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east, and we have come to worship. That's the first time it shows up in the New Testament. And you can imagine that when they got there and saw the little child in the house, no longer in the stable, laying on straw like some people try to depict it, but when he gets there to, to, to that little child, you know, you can imagine those wise men, three, four, whatever they were. The Bible doesn't say how many. But they just get there and they're just going like, oh, yeah. You know, we're here worshiping Jesus. I believe they were on their faces. 
before Lord Jesus. And not only that, they brought gifts. If you study to see how much those gifts were worth, those were sacrificial gifts. And some will say, well, but they were rich. Okay, but stop and think of this. For months, more than likely even more than months, they had been studying Scripture and found out about that Jesus was going to be born, the Messiah, the King was going to be born, and they stopped their lives. They left their families. They left their lands. They spent their lives in search of Jesus. They died to self in search of being in the presence of the Lord. That's a little more worship than all this stuff we see going on. I, I like to say that one of the biggest part of worship during a service is offering time. Die to self, give to the Lord. But anyway, he goes on, we, we, we should not, uh, I got into worship, the word here is praise. It says that the generation to come, we should show them the praises of God. Well, we know what worship is now. What's praise? The word praise we also know very well. The word praise means to uplift, to make known. And if you are a fan of any sport, I dare say you probably praise quite well. You know, you probably talk great about how your football team or whatever, baseball team, or you, you probably praise certain teams. You probably praise certain players. Oh, did you see that guy in his play and what he did? You probably praise uh, your rifle, the brand of rifle you have, or the brand of car you have, or, or whatever. You, you probably talk big about it, and you tell people, oh, I've got this. This is the best. This is great. This is... Do we share the praises of the Lord? Do we talk to people about, wow, you ought, you ought to see what God did. God saved my life. He transformed me. He made something great in me that is worthless. Oh, you should see what God did, how God supplied for our church to be able to do this and that. Oh, how God is great. He protected me from an accident. Oh, how God does this and how God does that. We should praise the Lord. We should share these praises. He goes on to say, not just the praises of the Lord and His strength. Did you know that God is strong? Got to think about that one minute. Okay, he created the heavens and the earth. Well, that makes him pretty mighty, powerful, and strong. But did you know that God is stronger than COVID? I'm not knocking the disease that exists, and it does kill people. Our church treasurer down in Brazil about a month ago passed away from COVID. He was just about my age, maybe a little older. Uh, but that happens. It, it's true. We can't, we can't fight that it's, it's a reality. But it should never bring a Christian to despair it's a disease let me ask you this what is the worst thing COVID can do to a Christian leave him alive really that's the worst thing it could do is hurt you and leave you alive it's like if it takes you it's like how bad is that it's bad for the other people but it's not bad for you if you're saved you're going to heaven so we should not be fearful. We should understand God is bigger than COVID. And get this, God is bigger than the government. I see so many people despairing about, oh no, the government, what's going to happen? You know, all this is all that bad stuff. Hey, God is bigger than this. God is stronger than this. It doesn't matter who's in the government. God is still God. 
And we heard about that this morning, too, didn't we? God is still God. We need to understand, we serve a great and mighty God. It doesn't matter if people like you, if people don't like you, if people want to kill you because you're preaching the Word of God. God is still God, and it's worthwhile to present His strength. Why do we fear things around us? Something says that we should remember something about the Bible. It says something about greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Why do we fear? We should. Let's just go on. Let's share about the strength of the Lord. We need not fear. Let's go on. He says not just the praise of the Lord and his strength, but he goes on to say about the wonderful works that he hath done. I'm pretty sure here that Asaph is referring to being freed from Egypt and, you know, the crossing of the Red Sea, the crossing of Jordan, the conquering of the land, the fall of the walls of Jericho, all those great things that happened to the people of Israel. But we have great things happen to us as well. Do we share them? Not always. Sometimes. We'll share all sorts of other things. But do we share the things that God has done? God has done great things for us whereby we should rejoice and we should share. But anyway, he goes on, he says, you know, we need, to, we need to remind the next generation because the next generation is coming along thinking that God is boring, that the church is boring, that, oh, this, it's nothing because there's nothing exciting. What they hear people get excited about is cars and guns and football teams and baseball teams and all these things are exciting things. No. What's exciting is that the creator of the universe cares about me. That's exciting. So we need to share about the exciting things about the Lord. Share it to the next generation. He goes on to verse 5. It says, For he established a testimony in Jacob and appointed a law in Israel, which he commanded our fathers that they should make them known to their children. Did you know that God gave Israel a law and told them that they should make it known to their children? It's interesting, if you go to Exodus chapter 20, and Nate, you guys have that out there, you know, about the Ten Commandments. Deuteronomy chapter 5 repeats the Ten Commandments. Deuteronomy chapter 6, God is saying, listen, O Israel, the Lord your God is one Lord. And it, I'm still learning the Bible, okay? And so when I was studying through that, I was actually studying through that this week, and I, I looked at that, and I said, that's interesting. All these years reading the Bible, never stopped to look at the words it says uh, to Israel, it says, the Lord, all capital letters, that's Jehovah, that's talking about the almighty, all-powerful God, creator of heavens and earth. The Lord your God, that word is Elohim, which means God in plural form, is one Jehovah. It's interesting that, although it doesn't mention three specifically, but plurality in the one God is mentioned right there. But he goes on, listen, you need, and he goes on saying, you need to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your might, with all your soul. You need to really dedicate yourself to the Lord. And he goes on to say that you need to teach these things diligently to your children. That's interesting. Do we teach the things diligently to our children? And he goes on to say, uh, there in, in Deuteronomy chapter 6, it says, teach them diligently to your children, and he says, and then you talk about these things. Talk about the things of the Lord. And he gives four occasions when you should talk about the things of the Lord. Now, I, I kind of changed the order. It's just easier for me to function this way. 
You get up in the morning, talk about the things of the Lord. You're sitting at the table, talk about the things of the Lord. You're out and about, talk about the things of the Lord. You're getting ready to go to bed, talk about the things of the Lord. We talk about so many other things. We should talk about the things of the Lord. Now, I'm just going to add something to this here. We have this habit of getting our little electronic devices, and you get up in the morning, and you want to see what the newest news is. What's going on here? What's going on there? And then when you stop for lunch, you want to check up and find out what this or what that is. And you know, on Sunday, you may want to just check up and see what the score is on the football game or whatever. And you go get ready to go to bed, and the last thing you do before you go to bed is check up on your Insta chats or whatever you're doing. Is this becoming our God? We need to be careful about that. That can slip in too easily. But anyways, that's not part of the message. That was just, that was extra. But we need to be careful to, God needs to be our conversation. His love, His word, His desire, obedience to His laws. That needs to be part of our life. And he goes on to say, Israel was told that they should, take to, should tell their children, and up on top he already said they had done that. He goes on to verse 6 and says, that the generation to come might know them. We should be concerned that the generation to come might know the things of the Lord. I am concerned that my two sons, God only gave me two, the two sons know the things of the Lord. It's important. But he goes on to say in that verse there, he says that the generation to come might know them, even the children which should be born. Did you know that God cares about the unborn children? Yeah, the abortionists haven't figured that out. It's sad to see that so many Christians haven't understood that, that God cares about the unborn children. But I'd like to even say it this way. My sons, who are both single yet, one day will get married. One day will have children, hopefully. I'm hoping to become a grandparent. Uh, I should be concerned about my grandchildren even now. Well, they don't even exist yet. They haven't been born yet. That's okay. I should be concerned that they're going to know the things of the Lord. Well, how does that help? Well, that means I'll be praying that God will give my sons godly wives. Because if they get married to w women who are not godly wives, more than likely my grandchildren are not going to follow in the ways of the Lord. You see, I need to be concerned about my children and my grandchildren. And he goes on to say, if the children which should be born, who should arise and declare them to their children. That's like four generations down. Do we care enough about passing it on? And that's the title of the message, Pass It On. Are we concerned enough to pass it on to the next generation and the next generation and the next generation? You see, the United States was a very solid country based on principles from the Word of God. The nation, pretty much as a nation, believed in God. But now so many no longer believe in God. Come up with all these crazy ideas and things that are just totally unbiblical. What happened? Someone forgot to pass it on. Now the devil, he's real clever. He understands the principle of passing it on. So he got his doctor and he started infiltrating into schools, infiltrating into colleges, 
And he's passed on his doctrine from generation to generation, and that's why we're in the situation we are today. We need to pass it on. We need to make sure that the next generation and the next generation know the things of the Lord. We need to pass it on. Not just here in the United States, but in Brazil, Philippines, around the world. We need to pass on the message of the Lord Jesus Christ. There's something about passing it on. I was just looking at something. Um, there was these uh, children of uh, Jonadab in the Bible. They're mentioned in a couple different places. But uh, their father had said, listen, don't you guys ever drink wine. You guys are not supposed to do that. You guys are supposed to live in tents. And it's kind of interesting. Generations down the line, uh, they were offered wine, and they said, no, we will not do that. Because our father, referring to a forefather way up there, he said that we would never do that. So we will not do that. And we will continue living in tents. And we will continue doing that which we were told to do. They passed it on from generation to generation. They kept faithful to it. We need to take that same idea, pass it on, and hope that our children, grandchildren, great-grandchildren stay faithful to the things of the Lord. There's a reason for all that. He says in verse 7, that they might set their hope in the government. Oh, it starts with a G, but it's not the right G, I guess. Uh, but they might set their hope in God. If your hope is in the government, I'm sorry. It's just ain't going to work. If your hope is in money, it's not going to work. If your hope is in good crops or your hope is in this or that, that doesn't do you any good. Your hope must be in God. We need to make sure that the generations to come the generation, our generation, our children, grandchildren, great-grandchildren, all understand they need to set their hope in God, not forget the works of God. How are they not going to forget something unless they've been told it and re been reminded of it and been re-reminded of it? We need to keep it fresh of what God has done about the salvation of the Lord we need to keep that fresh. They need to set their hope in God. They need to not forget what God is doing, what God has done, but keep His commandments. We need to share God's will and desire for each human being. They need to set their hope in God, trust in the Lord as their personal Savior, and live for the Lord. So many Christians today are only concerned with, you know, well, we've got to tell them so they can get saved. Yes, but salvation is followed by sanctification. People need to get saved. That means God getting them out of this world. And then they need to get sanctified. That's getting the world out of the man. You know, so we get more and more like Jesus Christ. Someone said, well, when we get to heaven, aren't we going to be perfect? Yes, we are. But why give God all the extra work of transforming us in the end? Let's get as perfect as we can, living for the Lord, loving the Lord, living the way the Lord would have us to live so that we can actually bring other people to the Lord as light shining in, in, this, in this world. When we look at this, there's another, another verse that comes to mind as well. Proverbs chapter 22 and verse 6 says, Train up, come on, train up a child in the way he should go. 
and you know the, the, the promise along with that, you know, when he grows up, he won't depart from it. But I want to look at the first part of the verse because there's something there that we often miss. Did you notice that it does not say train up your child? So many times we think like, oh, train up child. That means I'm supposed to train up my son and daughter. Yes, you are. But your neighbor's kids, the kids on down the street, your relatives' kids, they all need to be trained up in the way they should go. That's why we have bus ministries. That's why we have guardians of the faith and, and clubs to, to give the opportunity to reach out to children. We should be concerned with our neighbor's children. Well, the neighbors don't want to come to church. That's okay. Ask them if they allow you to take their children to church. Many times, we found this in the mission field, many times we get children saved, and through the children, the parents end up getting you see this lady right here? She got saved at a Bible camp in Brazil at the age of 11. When she went back home to her Catholic family, she told her mom, she said, I don't want to go to Catholic church anymore. That caused a little problem in the family. But today, because of her testimony and her living for the Lord, her mother is saved, brothers and sisters are saved, some aunts and uncles are saved, many of the family become saved. Because of a child that came to know the Lord as their Savior. So is it worth it? It's worth it. Oh, sometimes I know, especially in your bus ministry, you can get some ordinary ones. But if they're hearing the Word of God, faith comes by hearing and hearing the Word of God. Let's care about the next generation. So as we just finish up here, let me ask you, what are you doing to pass it on? How much time do you invest caring about other souls? I did something today. I walked around the cemetery. That's kind of a fun thing to do every now and then. I was surprised uh, to see some names on stones out there. So I, was, I was sure your pastor and wife were still alive. And I walk up and I'm like, okay, it doesn't have an end date on it. Okay, it's, just, it's a start date. Okay. Um, Anyway, people back here, some died as infants. Some died like almost 100 years old. But they all are born and dead, except for those that didn't die yet. You know, but they have their stones out there. But uh, <laughs> I think that was one of the first times I've ever seen that. I was walking around like, these have start dates but don't have end dates. These also, it's like not just one, it's like, you know, several out there. Anyway, but did you ever notice that in cemeteries, it is very traditional to have a start date, a little dash, and an end date. Have you ever stopped to think that that little dash was their life? That's all our life is, is that little dash. What are you doing with your dash? Are you concerned to pass on the message to other people? To share about salvation? Share about the great things God does? It doesn't matter what the politics are doing. It doesn't matter what car is better, what rifle is better, what football team is better. God is better. We need to share that from generation to generation that God may be honored and glorified. Uh, let's bow our head and have a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, I thank you.